A few weeks ago on the Seco Sports Forum, we had a special guest, Sam Rollick of GraniteBats.com, a young entrepreneur who's into the crafting of baseball bats. Well, this young man is a true craftsman, so I commissioned him to do a special Seco Sports Forum version baseball bat, and today is the big reveal. Now, since this is a podcast, I'm going to have you go to our website to see the actual process of the manufacturing of this commemorative baseball bat. Believe me, it's well worth viewing. Well, we're going to continue on, though, with the podcast, and we're going to talk with Sam about the manufacturing process, his interest in and love of baseball, and also his memories of playing with two high school teammates who just recently were drafted by major league teams. Sam is the, I'm going to call you the owner, CEO, and creative force of Granite Bats here in Exeter. And uh, we were fortunate enough to, to discuss the process with you, but it was on Zoom. And it's different, obviously. Uh, it was it was a good interview, and we had a lot of fun talking to you that day. But we wanted to get the feel of what it is you do. So to let you folks know, I, I went up with our producer, Bob Globacki, to where Sam has his factory. We'll call it a factory. Yeah, we can it's call a, it a It's factory. a workshop, but it's a factory yeah. because you're doing, you're doing right quality and quantity. Uh, so what we did is we commissioned a bat for the Seco Sports Forum. You are not just a woodworker. You're a craftsman. You do many of these bats. How do you just get your mindset to do that? I mean, just to keep keep in the groove or in the in the, in the zone. Um, I just I really enjoy doing it. I wake up every morning excited to go to work. Uh, I find that making them on the lathe and every single step of the process is very relaxing, very satisfying, and nothing feels better than when I can look at the finished product and see that I've put all of my best effort into it and the greatest feeling ever is giving it to a player and seeing just their face light up when they get the custom bat that they've always wanted and it's made specifically for them. Now one thing, I, I, we do this as a podcast as well as a, a television program so I'm going to ask a few questions that we've done previously. You got into the business, you were a baseball player, yes. that was your love. Yes. game of baseball. So what took it to the next step? You said, gee, I'd like to, to make my own, my own bats. So I actually, I learned how to make bats when I was 15 years old. There were two other kids in town that actually had learned from a bat company that's no longer in business, but the guy taught them how to hand make baseball bats. And I saw them doing it. I said, oh, that looks really cool. Like my dad woodworks, I've got room in the garage. This is something I want to get into. And so I went and learned from them and bought my own lathe and bought a couple pieces of wood and I was just kind of, you know, make a couple bats a year kind of as gifts or trophies, nothing really too serious. It was just a fun little hobby. Mm -hmm. And then I got sent home from college in the spring of 2020 and I had a ton of free time on my hands. And so I kind of decided to take it a little more seriously and see how far I could push myself with it. And it's turned into the business that it is today, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, before we go any further, now, if people want to see the, the different styles you make and, and uh, the varieties and whatever. Tell the people how to get in touch with you. So you can find me on Instagram at granite underscore bat underscore company. And then my website is www.granitebats.com. And that's the best place to okay. place an order, see what I have to offer. I try to upload pretty frequently to my Instagram too, pictures of bats and uh, pieces of the process, all sorts of information there as well. Now we we were talking in a previous show about the running runners and, and running shoes and things like that. Now when it comes to bats, same thing. It's functionality. Mm -hmm. 
and and you saw that in your video that, that we did uh, when you were uh, especially for the head of the bat for the weight distribution things like that so t tell us some of the specialty things that people look for when they, when they come to you and say hey I, I want you to grind a bat for me um well there's uh, the probably the biggest specialty thing that people look for is the kind of wood. There are three main types of wood that bat manufacturers across the U.S. use. It's mm -hmm. maple, birch, and ash. And right now, maple's definitely the dominant species of wood. It has the closest feel to a metal bat. It's very hard and it's very dense. And that kind of gives it the sort of pop feeling off of the barrel of the bat that you feel when you swing a metal bat. Now, maple does have its downsides. It's brittle. And so uh, if maple is not split by hand, then it can break very easily. So I actually go all the way to New York to specifically get hand split billets rather than sawn billets. And the difference is when you saw lumber, that's what they do for the two by fours that you'd see at Lowe's. They just have a log in the sawmill and it just goes, they shoot it straight through and they try and cut as much wood out of that log as they can because they don't want to waste anything. Mm. But when you're making split billets for baseball, and a billet is the blank that you start with, it's the round three-foot dowel. Right. Uh, they, when you split the wood, what they do is they actually have a hand-splitting machine, and it follows the grain of the log down. And so the idea is that if you split the wood, you have the straightest possible grain, both the grain that you can see, but also what's called the tangential grain. And so that is actually, if you look at the wood, there are lines mm -hmm. and there are circles. And so the lines are what most people think of when they see wood grain. But there's actually a second set of grain which is going the other direction in those circles and you can't see it with the naked eye. And splitting wood by hand guarantees that that grain is also going to be straight. And that provides better longevity for the bat. And that applies to pretty much every species of wood, but maple is very, very important. And I would say maple is about 90% of my sales. Right. Most people like to swing maple. A lot of younger players like to swing maple. I swung maple when I was a player. Mm -hmm. I liked how it felt. And I don't see that changing. Uh, birch and ash probably make up the other 10%. And those are for players looking for something more specific and feel. Ash is very flexible. And when you hit with ash, you can feel the bat almost wow. slingshot the ball. Wow. And it has, ash is a lot lighter so you can make a lot bigger barrels with ash. And it does have downsides. It tends to flake, especially if you're not hitting on the right side of the grain. And it also doesn't last as long as maple and birch in terms of just beating on it with the balls. It's not as hard as maple and birch, so you're not gonna feel that pop, but it does have a little more flex and a little more give. And mm. birch is right in the middle. Birch is basically a mix between maple and ash. So it's not quite as hard as maple, but it's harder than ash. It's not as stiff as maple, but it's not as flexible as ash. It's kind of a mesh between the two. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually the fastest growing species in the wood bat industry is birch. Wow. Yep. Wow. Now, sweet spots, we hear about that. So I guess describe the sweet spot on a bat, whatever so wood you're using. With metal, the sweet spot is basically the entire barrel. and. Everyone's told to hit on the sweet spot, but they don't really understand why. With metal, you want to hit on the sweet spot because that's the biggest part of the barrel. You're going to get the greatest trampoline effect. It's going to hit the ball the furthest. Wood is a different story. You want to hit on the sweet spot with wood because that is how you keep your bat from breaking. And the sweet spot is generally about an inch down, inch to an inch and a half down from the end of the bat. And then 
about, it starts at about two and a quarter inches on the beginning of the barrel. And the best way to do that is you take your middle finger and your thumb. I'm about five foot nine. I've got pretty average sized hands. Mm -hmm. If I can go like that around, it's a little bit under two and, three two and a quarter inches. Mm -hmm. So if I move it up to where my fingers are separated, that is the start. Okay. And so the sweet spot's generally between six to 10 inches long on the bat, depending on the length, the model, and everything like that. And you want to hit there because that is the most structurally sound part of the bat. If you hit a ball on the inside part, like towards the handle, mm -hmm. you're, it's very likely that your bat's going to break. It's going to okay. shoot vibrations down. It's a weaker spot of the wood. It's a thinner part of the bat. So you want to hit the part of the bat that has the least amount of vibration going down the structure of the wood. Mm -hmm. And also, it gives you a bigger hitting surface, and it's more structurally sound. Now, the handle, too. That's important. I mean, everybody yes. has different size hands. Yes. Um, what do you give, like, for advice when somebody comes to you and says, you know, just like golf, I mean, same thing there with the grips and whatever. Uh, what do you do for advice on that? It's kind of a balancing act. So the thicker the handle, the more structurally sound the bat's going to be. And it's also going to feel a little bit more balanced because you have more weight on your hands instead of at the end of the bat. And it's like a lever action. The further down the weight is on the bat, the heavier it's going to feel. But you get what's called more whip, which means when you're coming through the zone and you're getting the last part, like the last part of your swing where you're whipping the bat through the strike zone, mm -hmm. the thinner the handle, the more whip you get and the more speed and control you get over the bat, but the weaker it's going to be. So you want to find a balance between what you're comfortable with, which is the first, that's the first thing I tell any players, do what you're comfortable with. Because if you're uncomfortable hitting, you're not going to hit well. I, I've personally never hit well comfortably when I'm uncomfortable at the plate, and I've never met a hitter mm. who can hit really well when they're uncomfortable with the bat they're swinging or something like that. And so you need to find the balance of what you're comfortable with, what you can get the most whip action out of, okay. but where the structural integrity of the bat is not being sacrificed either. I, I would say about 99% of the, the players, especially the pros now, wear gloves, yep. batting gloves. Um, and I go back to the era when it was just, you know, your bare two hands, hands bare hands, and, and, and a good grip on the, on the bat. How does that affect the grip part of it? I mean, as far as the, the, the handles or knobs? Um, from my point as a bat maker, not really. Okay. Uh, it's more of, that's more of a comfort thing. Okay. Uh, as a baseball player, when I, whenever it was hot out and my hands would get sweaty, mm -hmm. I'd always be afraid of the bat slipping out of my hand. I didn't feel like I had a good grip or control, so I'd wear gloves. Mm -hmm. When it was cold out, I would usually wear gloves as well to stop the vibration. But like performance-wise, I personally don't think batting gloves add anything physically to your performance. They might help you mentally. They can help you grip the bat a little better if you're sweaty or something like that. And they do stop vibration from coming to your hands. And they're great for stopping blisters. I mean, I, I still play it at a time where you had to build up the calluses on right. your hands. Right. I think everyone goes through that where you have all the blisters, but mm -hmm. eventually they stop coming. But it is a good way to prevent blisters. And it's, you know, if, you're, if that's what's comfortable for you, then by all means, go up to the plate with it. Now, another thing since we last spoke, I was thinking about, and I, I guess it was in the 70s, maybe the 80s, that uh, metal bats started to take over, uh, especially on the uh, high school level and, and college level. Uh, how, does, how does that affect you? Are you seeing more guys wanting to go back to traditional wooden bats to play, or, or do schools still hang in with the metal bats because of the cost efficiency, I guess? Um, I personally, I mean, I'm a little biased. I'd love to see everybody swinging wood bats. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I understand at the youth level, especially 12 and under, metal bats are necessary. They aren't big and strong enough to swing the bat fast enough to catch up to the ball because younger pitchers today are bigger, stronger, and faster, even at younger ages like up like 12 and under. They're throwing harder and they're swinging harder right. because parents are putting them in strength training programs and kids are really focusing in on sports and focusing in on the training. And so I, I do think that they should still be around for the younger guys. Now, when you get up towards especially the high school level, I think that's when it gets dangerous. I mean, I've, I've, ha I've seen balls hit over 400, 420, 440 feet with metal bats and, mm -hmm. in the high school age group, and that's just bonkers to me that yeah. high schoolers are hitting 100-mile-an-hour exit velos, and it's just it's dangerous. Your reaction time isn't developed enough, and they're at an age where they are strong enough to effectively swing a wooden bat. And if you want to become a pro baseball player, you're going to have to swing wood. At some point, you're going to have to. You're right. I, I've gotten the chance to play baseball with two now professional baseball players, and throughout the whole offseason, that is all they swung was yeah. wooden bats. Yeah. And I, I will say, if you're playing right now, use every advantage that is given to you. Mm -hmm. If you're a college player or you're a high school player and metal bats are legal, don't, like, don't hold yourself back. Mm -hmm. Use whatever you can use to get the most advantage over your opponent that you can. Right. But I, I would advocate for a rules change for sure. But until that, like I, I think swing whatever gives you the best performance. Okay. Oh, there you go. But do you, do you uh, have you seen though some of the high school level kids swinging wood, or are they are they uh, prohibited from doing it? I, I, I guess that's. I point. personally haven't seen it much in okay. games. There's no rules against it. Uh, I I don't think many high school coaches would okay. like their players doing that because they're there to win, and so they wanna they want everyone using the best equipment they possibly can. I know we talked about this the last time that, you know, some of those metal bats, uh, I know when my son was playing ball, uh, it's, it's against the rules in pro baseball to have a wood bat that's cork. Yep. You know, some foreign object, they used to use uh, super balls yeah. and, and, and golf balls or whatever inside the bat and, and cement the top back on. And once in a while, they'd get caught uh, in a pro game. But the metal bats actually had a core. I know this one in particular, I think we, we talked in our last show about it. It was a cylinder that when you swung, it went to the sweet spot. Yeah. And if you did connect with the ball, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. And, it, and to me, I was like, well, wait a minute, that's not quite fair. <laughs> we never could afford the, that expensive model. We went with the cheaper aluminum bats that one of my son was playing. But it was just like, Again, it goes back to the, the, the rule. I mean, it seems like, you know, it's cork in the bat. But. Yeah, it seems like it. And, you know, a, a lot of people argue against wood because of cost. And part of the reason I started that business was to prove that playing with wood doesn't have to be expensive. And if you break down the math of it, you can go and get a high school legal bat for $90. Mm -hmm. But no one is. My little brother was on the high school team this spring. I got the chance to go to a couple games. Every single bat there, the, probably the cheapest one was about 300 bucks. Everyone's buying, the, yeah. they range from three to $500 yeah. and they're not cheap. And an average player will go through in a summer season of travel ball, this is extremely high level baseball and all they use is wood bats. And you're facing much higher level pitching than you would in high school. And so you're more likely to break wood bats doing that. Mm. And guys might go through maybe three, maybe four bats in a season. And right now my cheapest option is 80 bucks. 
and that is game quality, high quality. I go to the same place to get my wood that pretty much most of the big companies that people go to, mm -hmm. that's where they go. And let's say you go through three bats a year. That's only 240 bucks. And you're pretty likely to out, as a high schooler, you're always growing, you're gonna outgrow that metal bat pretty soon. And also, usually it's not even people outgrowing the metal, it's the new fancy version, the new technology yeah, that comes exactly. in every year. Colors. And, they have to have it yeah. because they think that's what's going to make them a better hitter. <laughs> right. When it's not. Like all these crazy composites. Exactly. All of, yeah. Like I actually, when I was in high school, I did a little experiment. And I took a composite bat, a hybrid bat, which is aluminum and composite combined, and an aluminum bat. And I tried to see which, which I could hit the ball the hardest with. And I found that I could hit the ball hardest with the aluminum, and that's the cheapest, but no one's buying that. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants the fancy technology. Right. And right. so the math doesn't really add up in favor of the metal bats, and the skill that it builds doesn't add up right. in favor of the right. metal bats. Right. So I, I really think that more people should be swinging wood. Well, you get it on the head. If you exactly. intend to go into the pros yeah, if, or get a, a sniff yeah. of the pros, you're going to have to learn to uh, hit, yeah. hit the ball with a wooden bat, period. A, tr a traditionalist, I guess you'd have to call yeah. yourself. I am a little point. bit of a traditionalist. I know everybody wants to be with the latest and greatest and obviously have the team do well, their team do well. Yeah. But uh, and some of those bats, I, I mean, I know we had a, a few uh, over the years. and. Uh, my son could mash, and, and uh, those barrels would crush, yeah. would dent, so that you know you get maybe half a season out of a bat, like you said. And that's, yeah. They're not cheap. And I never went to the big, big time with them because, like I say, to me it was like eh, a novelty act. I, I preferred to see them hit with wood if they would or if they could. Yeah, I mean, hitting with wood is, it shows really how good of a hitter you are. There are guys that I play with in the summer that in high school ball, they'd rake. They'd have a great batting average, a couple home runs, like tons of RBIs, always on base. We start playing with wood, and suddenly they can't put the ball in the air out of the infield. Does it ever crush you when you see a, uh, one of your bats get broken in a game? <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> but it, it, it does hurt, but I know that's, that's a part of all of this. Yeah. It's a, breaking bats is a part of playing with wood. Eventually, you're going to get an inside pitch, or you're going to hit something wrong, and it's going to snap. And, and anyone I, who tells you otherwise is lying to you. And when I was a kid, we'd take the bat, we'd break it, go down to the dad's basement, get some electrician's tape. Now it'd be duct tape, but electrician's tape. Tape, tape it, back it up. together? Bing, we're back in business. <laughs> I can't suggest that, but. No, 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 we're not suggesting that. That was back in the good old days. And then believe me, that was way back. Part of the process we did tell folks about is that they, they are engraved. You can have yes. them engraved, the bats engraved. And uh, we sent you our logo, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. But you can engrave the bat yes. specifically for a person or, yep. or whatever. Yeah, I do logo. names all the time. Like I've done a couple logos, so I can do mostly anything people want. I want to talk other baseball topics with you today. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get to a, a couple of players you played with that uh, had their names in the news lately. But first, let's talk about what's going on with the pros. Um, the Red Sox uh, at the All-Star break, leading their division, seem to be in the, in the right, right frame of mind to keep things rolling towards the World Series. We can keep our fingers crossed. But the Yankees are, are challenging. Uh, they're going in to uh, go after some talent. So. Uh, talk about that a little bit with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Kyle Schwarber in Boston. 
That's Robert. something I'm really pumped about. We were going after Rizzo, but the Yankees got him first. I know. Yeah, Rizzo, I know. Rizzo was supposed to be ours, but it went to, he went to the Yankees instead, and Joey Votto from the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, so they're loading up some bats. We got Schwaber to play first and, and some outfield. And uh, it's going to be interesting. What do you, what's your take on the, what happened in the first part, the All-Star game, and, and what we're looking at ahead? Um, I mean, I'm glad we got Schwarber. I'd like to see us get one more starting pitcher. Yeah. I think we really do need one more starter. Yeah. I mean, like, I really like Pavetta, and, but we can't, we can't have Evaldi be our number two. We need someone else to take the load off of sale. Yeah, yeah. And Erod, unfortunately, is just having a mediocre season. That's and why it, I haven't mentioned you know, him in the talk. And, and, it's, and because of COVID, I mean, we have yeah. to give, cut him some slack because I think he, you know, he still got some repercussions yeah. from going through COVID oh, yeah. issues he had last season. So uh, you're right. I think that's a, a necessity to get it. some sort of a, an arm in here is insurance. I know Chris Sale's coming up. Uh, soon from the farm, and, and he'll he'll definitely be a factor. Yeah, but we we don't know how much of a load he's going to be able to Correct. carry, and I'd like to save sale for September October rather than burn him out in August. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd I'd honestly like to see another arm in the bullpen too. I mean, like Barnes has been great. Like we've had some mm -hmm. great guys in the pen, but I'd like to see us go after one more big bullpen arm as well, because. I'm glad we added Schwarber to the offense, but let's be honest, the offense is great. Yeah. That's not the part that needs to be improved. We have an amazing offense. We've got pretty good guys in the field. We've got good base running. It's the pitching that so far is held up, but I think it's starting to show some cracks a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see us kind of share that part up. And I don't think there's a team that could beat us if we do that. Scherzer and, and uh, Turner going to the Dodgers, that's just like, it, it reminds me of what the Yankees used to do. Throw I mean, money at it until it wins. Yeah, just keep, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the money's I mean, there, go for it. that's what they're kind of doing. They're trying to do the same thing. I mean, yeah. I don't think the Dodgers need another pitcher, but all the power to them. Yeah, I know, I know. It's funny, though, because I, I think with the Red Sox situation, Cora made the big difference coming back. He's yeah. got the year of the, of the team. He, they, they play for him. And Dave Roberts out in Los Angeles, I think the same thing. Yeah. His team plays for him. I, I, some of the old-time managers that are in the league, I think, you know, these guys tune them out and, you know, it's just... I would. Yeah. Like, know. if I'm sorry, if Tony Russo was like, come up to the modern day or go back to the 80s, but yeah. the 80s don't belong in the no, 20s. it doesn't. There's a different mindset. We were talking about that in our last show about the NBA. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Celtics uh, under the Red Arback era, it was a different animal. Now it's completely, you know, three on three ball. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the players deciding who, who they want to play with and talking to the GMs and the, bringing them on the, on the team. So. Yeah, I mean, I think in all of sports, every single player, like the players should have a lot bigger of a voice than they do. They're the ones generating the money. Exactly. They're the ones, they're the reason that the GMs have the job in the first place. I, I think that like what they want should be taken into account because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're the guys who are on the field playing and you want to keep them happy. Like, I, I still don't understand the pushback against, especially in the MLB, players showing personality. Like, pitchers getting mad at guys who bat flip. Right. Like, one of my favorite quotes ever, even though it is from the Dodgers, is Max Muncie to Madison Bumgarner. He took him deep in San Fran, hit one of the ocean, and Bumgarner starts yelling at him for yeah. flipping his bat and watching, and he says, hey, yeah. you can go out and get it in the ocean if you want. <laughs> like, I just, I don't get the anger because... Right, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I, I don't see why it's bad for players to be entertaining and relatable. Right. And, I mean, look at, look at the, 
arguably the most profitable guy in the MLB right now. It's not Mike Trout. It's not Shohei Otani. It's Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm -hmm. There's not a person on the face of this planet who's cooler than that dude is right That's now. That's true. You're absolutely right. You know, everybody's talking about Shohei because of you know his accomplishments, both with the bat and pitching. You know, he's, and this and year, Trout being out, that helps too. Yeah. I mean, Shohei shows plenty of personality as well. I mean, he's not afraid to flip the bat. He's not afraid to admire his work at the plate mm -hmm. or on the mound. Like, I, I just think that, like, this younger generation is going to grow baseball tremendously if we let them be themselves and let them show who they are and have a personality. And I, I really hope that the trend continues, that they're going to have more and more leeway to do that. Uh, you have something in common with, uh, you mentioned two players in particular you are on championship teams with, and uh, Ben Maller, Jerry, and also Cody Morissette. Yes. And both of them are with pro teams now, Ben with the Detroit Tigers and uh, Cody with the Miami Marlins. That was an exciting uh, draft a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Tell us, tell us uh, your thoughts about those two guys having played with them. I mean, as a, as a player, you could, you could definitely see it. Like, especially those two, like, at practice, you know, it's a little more laid back. Everyone's just kind of putting their work in, focusing on what they have to do. But with those guys and a couple other players that I've had the chance to play with, it's almost like when it's a game, a switch goes on when they step over the lines, where you could ask them, why'd you do this? And it was three, three, three and a half innings ago. Certain play, why'd you do that? And they can tell you exactly why they did it, why it works, what they needed to do differently if something didn't work out. Like they, they're so in touch with what's going on in the game and they understand it on a level that most, like it, most people naturally can't understand it, me included. And it, it's fun to watch. Mm. I mean, and it's, it's great to have them on your team. It definitely would have been less fun playing against them. But it was sometimes, like, it was just great to just kind of sit back and just watch them do their thing, whether it's at the plate, whether it's making plays in the yeah. field. And, I mean, it's just wild to me that two of my former teammates and two of my friends are playing professional baseball and actually living out the dream that millions of kids, including me, would daydream about when they were younger. It's a wild, wild uh, thing to see. I love your attitude. I mean, you know, some people would say, ah, he made it, I didn't. Uh, but you encourage people to, to excel. And, 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 you know, okay, you want to say live vicariously through them? Okay, I guess maybe. But uh, I know parents are guilty of that with their kids in sports. I mean, you know, I'd love to have seen my son be a pro baseball player. Yeah. Wasn't in the cards. He gave it his best shot. I mean, we went through the process. But again, you, you accept the gift you're given and, and do as much with them as you can and, and don't lose the, the love of whatever it is the sport you're in that's the thing enjoy the sport exactly you know in your case baseball and do you play any other sports i played football for two years i had a little stint on the golf team that didn't go very well but baseball was my my main thing again okay, and now you've uh, and you're in school tell yep. folks what we're what you're heading for uh so i'm currently a senior at southern new hampshire and i'm hoping to do law school uh next fall Excellent. So hopefully that works out, fingers crossed. And you're doing the granite bats as a sideline, but actually it's a business, a full-fledged business. Yeah. So if folks want to get in touch with you, again, give, give the best place for them to touch base with you for granite bats. Uh, www.granitebats.com or granite underscore bat underscore company on Instagram. Okay. And I, the... I do plan on continuing this while I'm at college. I 
probably I won't be able to work on campus, so I'm going to be a little bit more limited what I can do. Okay. So it won't be I won't be able to do some of the crazy customs that I like to do. Like that's my favorite thing to do is the crazy custom designs and stuff like that. But I'll still have that's on my site for sale, and it's still going to be the same quality. I'm going to put up as many different options as I can as well. Get your law degree, then you can. Represent yourself. I know. You can cut all that middleman paperwork. I know. Out. I'll be the Granite Bats legal team. Make, make and sign all your own contracts. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, this is, this is a work of art, literally. And uh, thank you for, for all the hard work you put into it. And uh, we will get a trophy uh, case, one of those cases for it, because you won't, you won't see me using it. I'll, uh, uh, maybe sometime I'll sneak up and buy just a regular bat and we can take to the cage and have some fun with the cage with. But uh, this, this definitely is a, is a trophy piece. And uh, I appreciate all the hard work. And, TLC you put into it. I'm leaving the door wide open anytime you want to come join us on the on the program to talk sports. I'm always game to come on board. All right. It's well, we appreciate great. that. Sam Rollick, our special guest, granitebats.com. On the two-minute drill, I'm just going to say that our podcast is doing very well. Uh, we do the televised version that's on uh, Exeter TV, and uh, this is going to be an interesting show because some of it being video at the beginning showing how the process of the bat making. So we'll encourage people to go to uh, both the YouTube site and the Facebook page so that you can watch the video of how this uh, bat that's before me was made. And also the podcast is available on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you find podcasts are, are out there. On behalf of Sam Rollick and Grant Bats, I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us on the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe to Exeter TV on YouTube and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum and other local content. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages and send us your game footage and photos to our email. That's secosportsforum.extv at gmail.com. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum.